to the Leading Tomorrow podcast. I'm your host, Denise Hummel, and I'm extremely excited to welcome today's guest, Molly Chang. Molly specializes in helping senior management create a chemistry within teams, allowing workplaces to operate collectively. She got her start uh, in this practice working 20 plus years with Cisco and US Filter and early roll up on Wall Street. She integrated more than 80 acquisitions around the globe, and now she's the founder of Abella Consulting. Molly is using her expertise to help executives everywhere build and lead teams cohesively. She also happens to be one of my favorite uh, LinkedIn series, and, and that is called Say It Skillfully. It can be found at sayitskillfully.com. I highly recommend that you check it out. Molly, thanks for joining us today. And have I left anything out of your intro that you want to share? Well, it's my pleasure to join you. And I love the work you and Rev Work are doing. And I guess I'd only add that I'm a, an avid yogi and meditator, which has really come in quite handy in this last few months. Yep. Molly has been mentoring me to sort of, you know, center myself, take take a breath between calls and responsibilities and 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 try to show up so that I am not only saying things skillfully, but, but looking pretty centered uh, at the same time. So that is always appreciated, Molly. Um, I wonder if you would tell our listeners a little bit more about your background and your journey, ju just, just broadly. Um, I think it would be really helpful that, for them to hear where you've come from, where you are, and, and maybe even where you're going. Yeah, I've, I'm delighted to do that. And uh, I shared this and I've said this quite a few times that I'm a very unlikely host of Say It Skillfully in a radio show. I, uh, my parents are from overseas and when I, uh, they came to the States and we were born here, I have two sisters and I did not speak English until I was five. And it was pretty traumatizing going to school in upstate New York, uh, straight C's through first grade. And the report cards were, Molly seems very intelligent, very quiet. And I really think I was just a terrified child. I mean, it was a wonderful upbringing. Um, and it's quiet. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Terrified. Terrified. And the notion of always being, trying to be right, of fitting in. I've said, you know, there was one Chinese, one Korean, and one Black family. And, you know, kids can be mean. And, you know, when you're young, you're very vulnerable to that. And I think, you know, when, when I think about my whole career, it's really come full circle because I think those early days of, wanting desperately to fit in, trying to do the right thing, created a really inherent empathy within me for others who may not feel like they're kind of fitting in perfectly. And I, and I did not figure that out until actually relatively recently. Uh, but I had a, you know, a great upbringing and, and really privileged, amazing parents. And uh, I was a geek. So people think this is funny too, because I'm an introvert for sure by design. I drive my energy from within. I went into engineering. And um, after college, I have to say nothing has been hard since. So I feel very well served by my undergrad years. And I think the learning to learn, the critical thinking and the great connections have really been a gift for the, really the entirety of my life. I did IBM in sales, which was awesome. I always coach people like if you can get some sales experience, it's really valuable, even if that might not be who you are for the long term. Because as you know, as an entrepreneur, nothing starts in a company until somebody sells something. And it's really an invaluable skill set. And talk about the whole relational component. Um, okay. So I had a fun, fun career. Did a lot of things that um, might be, I think when people ask, oh, it seemed very risky. And I would say the one thing about me is I've always felt like I could manage the downside. So if I could handle the downside of a decision, to me, that wasn't a big risk. So I really encourage people to 
to use that philosophy to try to stretch and to, to gain new experiences. Um, as, as like you, I'm kind of a lifelong learner, so I had a chance to go to grad school and all. And I ended up in this unlikely field of integrating acquisitions, which wasn't really that normal when I did it. And you know, you have a young person running around the world, former competitors trying to get them to work together. So it's pretty clear to me early on that the whole people dimension, I think of it as task versus relationship, the relationship com component is really the stuff that underpins the highest performance. Um, and I had, you know, a lot of great big corporate experience. I'm not a big corporate girl by design, but I had really great um, roles, including running a nonprofit. So mid-career, I had this chance to think about the intersection of public, private, and citizen sector, and how can those um, sectors integrate and collaborate. So that's kind of been inherent in all of my work. And then the integration work was such a privilege. And, you know, working with high-performing teams, seeding them into a mothership, and trying to help them be the best that they can be and, and unleashing potential has always been the theme for me. And so I was you know, very fortunate. And I just think maybe six years ago, I realized at my core, my genius was really helping. Um, and I think culture starts at the top and it's sustained at the base. So really helping management teams find that chemistry uh, to win as one, or just to commit to each other's success as much as their own. How you combine is how you win. I mean, everyone knows that, every sports team you know, the they have a coach and they figured out our strengths, our weaknesses, how we play to our strengths, mitigate our weaknesses. And it's kind of interesting to me that at a management team level, that's not necessarily a done deal that they'll do that. And, you know, to say it skillfully, I appreciate your, your great support, Denise. So this started out as a uh, lead led by Marshall Goldsmith, pay it forward, give it away for free. And I have this little superpower about helping people find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to themselves. So I started these videos last uh, year and like, I don't know, over a million views. So it's gone crazy and clearly there's a need. People want to be able to say what they wanna say in a way that honors themselves and others, right? I think there's small bite-sized videos. And I think for whatever reason, I, you know, I'm not the most massive intimidating person. I think people find it like they can do it. And I, and I feel very privileged to feel a little bit like a coach to the world, you know, when, when people write me from literally all over the planet, I got a raise, I was able to change jobs, you know, because I was able to say it skillfully. It's really been um, a, a, a real gift. So I need, I need to like, I need to ask you what, what is say it skillfully exactly? Because I, the whole, you know, teams moving in the same direction, united the cohesiveness. I mean, I know that with my team that w without that, you know, we would be in trouble. So, so that's, that, that is clear for me, but what, but what is the, what's the general premise of say it skillfully and how does it lead to the outcome of either better teams or, or better professionals or even just meeting your own career objectives? Yeah. At the core is saying, saying it skillfully is about being who you are and saying what needs to be said. That's it. And it started because I was pretty bummed out that I could see people very senior through an organization come to me and they were not saying what they thought needed to be said. And which for me is a, is just a is give, give me an example when you say not, you know, not saying what needed to be said. So let's say your, your boss you think is not really on the right track. You're not sure how to disagree with your boss. Your colleagues really let down the team. You don't know how to bring it up. Uh, your spouse, right. Is doing something that you don't think, is really so awesome for the kids, but you're not sure how to bring it up. And there are some environments, for sure, there are some environments where I'll say it really is not safe. The leader really doesn't care about what you think, let's say, and they're just, they're really not um, looking to harness the full potential. If you are in one of those environments, 
which, and it does exist, right? My counsel is just to ask yourself, why are you there? Why are you there? Because I would want you to be in a place where you feel valued and you could be your best self and that they really want you to be your best self. So what is it about it? And I appreciate people like, oh, this is, I have to have a job. And I get that, right? There can be some risk in evaluating that. Generally, it's a fear and people start to realize, you know what, darn it, I am. I can empower myself. And my, my thing is, do you not value yourself enough that you deserve an environment that, that, that you can really be your best? And I, that's a really big thing. I assume, Molly, that um, when you say that, so, so you know, be, be who you are and, and, and say what you feel, there is, you know, I don't want to say a right way and a wrong way because that, that implies, uh, you know, t too much of an extreme. But how do you counsel people to know how to say things in a way that they're going to be heard? And, and by the way, talk about timely. You have so many um, Black professionals right now, you know, feeling things so acutely because of the, you know, what has happened sociologically in, in, in recent months. Uh, uh, and you have a lot of uh, angst being created with uh, everything that's happened with uh, the pandemic, for example. So it, this couldn't be more timely, right? But some of these issues are very difficult to bring uh, up. So how do you coach people to say what they need to say authentically, but in a way that maybe doesn't cause polarization or um, in a way that, that, that the recipient can hear and action can be taken? Great question, and I will unpack this word relationship for you because I think that's really the key to the framework. So I think about relationship is navigating your inter interactions with yourself and others, right? And that's really the crux of the highest performance on three levels. One is your own emotional intelligence. What is going on for you? Can you articulate it? And so often, you know, it's, it's a skill to start to figure out like, what is going on for me? Some people are very in tune. Others are like, I don't feel right, but I don't know why. And it's not really someone else's job to mind read you. So there is a notion of being in good relationship with yourself. Think of that as the internal self-awareness. And to be aware that you were in a meeting, you're angry, totally legitimate that you were angry, you know, and, and not making any of those emotions wrong. They are what they are. Your next meeting needs you to show up in a way where you are collaborative and you are courageous and you are. And so you have to think about it. Like, can I manage myself and do I care enough about in service to this organization or to this one other person to show up in a way that's going to serve the conversation and the work and it's so easy Denise for people to say well my boss she doesn't want to hear it okay so your boss is paying you so that you're not going to tell exactly what is going on and therefore you're not going to have what I call an accurate shared reality Right? Without people being on the same page in these, you run a team, it's really hard to execute, to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and get to great outcomes. For sure. I don't know many leaders who say, no, I drive to work gripping the steering wheel, don't tell me what I need to hear. You know, that's just not, that's not what they really want. They may not be aware that while they think they've created this great space where everyone can disagree and speak openly, that they, that may not be what people's experience is. I'm not making either side right or wrong. The ability to say it skillfully, to, to bubble up that, you know, I have a different experience of this and I just want to share that and let's align and figure out where we are is a great skill set for teams, right? So and, what, what would your recommendation be for, so, so, so actually you, you brought up a point that I'm dealing with right now, which is 
that I, you know, constantly say to my team, you know, nothing is more important than you being able to do your job and, and, and anything that is getting in your way, by the way, particularly with regard to, to sales uh, or, 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 or revenue uh, issues. You, you need to let me know so that I can champion you and get things out of your way. That's what I say to them. And I say it relatively consistently. And every once in a while, an employee will say to me, you know, well, you say that, but your energy is different. And the way you conduct yourself with, with regard to other issues when you're not saying I'm there for you, doesn't is, is not necessarily congruent with what you know what you you're t actually telling us which i have to tell you molly is really disturbing to me you know because i'm i'm not you know me i, I i'm not consciously aware that i would be setting off that sort of energy but when they say it it it, it comes to me that i'm rushing around so much there's such urgency associated with my style but also just the rushing that I might say that, but what I'm giving off is I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too busy for you, or I'm too busy to hear this. So what, what advice would you give to the leader who's experienced experiencing that? Because most of us are well-intentioned. Well, let's leave you as a live example. And I really appreciate the live example. So Denise, someone says that to you. And what do you say? I, well, I'll say something like, oh my gosh, I, I am so sorry. I, I really meant it. I mean, I really want to be there for you. What can I do to help? Great. Nothing wrong with that. One thing that's really easy for leaders, when you hear something and it's like, you can feel it, like hairs up on the back, you say, thank yeah. you. I know. Oh my God. Marshall always tells us that. How could I forget to say thank you? Thank you. That may not have been so easy to tell me right. but i'm um, clapping and applauding i want more of it say more zip and say appreciate your experience what could i do questions curiosity is the number one masculine energy Gen genuine curiosity not judging so let me hold here for a second this, the three levels of relationship, right? The emotional intelligence, that's the self. The social intelligence. So now you're in good relationship with yourself. You put yourself in your other person's shoes. So you're, what's it like for that person? Not to make their experience, you know, right or wrong or good or bad. It's just that the ability to empathetically understand is, creates connection. And quoting Harry Kramer, right? And with the relationship, if I can relate, connect with someone, maybe I can influence, maybe. And only then could I possibly lead. This connection piece, people, I think, just kind of jump over like it's a given. And in a subordinate senior relationship, right, it's, it's, there's a little edginess for the folks who aren't at the top. So they're more inclined to be like, yeah, you hear me? Oh, yeah, I hear you. And, and without, of course, you're not trying to, you know, create any fear or what have you. But unless you're really confirming that they're hearing what you're saying and that they really believe that that's how you want them to behave you're not really sure that that's what they're thinking you're you're very confident and i don't doubt for one second that you really leaned in this is it but i can't tell you the number of leaders where the conversation is like you know i totally see what you wanted to have happen i heard you 
I'm not sure that that's how, what the message that your folks took away. And, and I know that seems like, but to you, that's the kind of aha. Uh -huh. So there's that awareness. That's awesome. Okay, right. now what do we do with it? And so this is the social intelligence. And then at the third level is a relationship system intelligence. And I certified in the ORSC uh, coaching. So this is one of their terms. And it's the who are we together? Okay. Uh, it might be a husband and a wife, a third entity, the couple. They're both part of the same couple, but they have a very different experience of being in that couple. Same thing with the management team, different executives, same, same team, but different experience. And the ability to empathetically understand, to walk in each other's shoes is fundamental to collaboration, to powerful group identity. And it isn't about that I could do your job, but it's that sense of connection like, oh my God, finance, end of the quarter. It's like rock against a hard spot. Everyone wants this, you gotta produce that. And when people feel that other people, not they're not looking for pity, then you may not be able to help, but just that appreciation a whole different energy around how a team comes together. Yeah, and I, I would imagine that if you're not able to pull that off as a leader, um, you know, to simply say thank you and to ask for more information as opposed to either, I guess the polar opposite extreme to that would be um, to be defensive or to deny uh, that person's experience, which fortunately I don't do, <laughs> but, uh, right. So that's a, you know, that that's at least something, but I, I don't think that I ask for more. In fact, usually I'm so horrified that I'm just, you know, grateful to be saying, Oh, uh, you know, I'm grateful to be able to apologize and, and just to, you know, offer up alternative ways that, that I could show up but uh, it doesn't occur to me to ask for more. It's kind of like, you know, if you're being disciplined by a parent when you're a kid and, and they're saying, you know, you know uh, Denise, you, you didn't do your chores and, you know, and me turning around and saying, tell me more, mom, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I wanna hear more. Uh, you know, I, it's, it, it's almost counterintuitive because you're asking for more information about what's not working about you as a human being. So it takes, a, a, I think, a significant amount of vulnerability, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, and this is my number one uh, starting point is this courage to be vulnerable because vulnerability is must for trust. And when I say that, particularly with senior leaders, I mean, everyone's like, eh. it's like no one asked, you know, Brene Brown's so famous for this. No one loves being vulnerable. It is necessary and it shows that you're real. And so for leaders, you know, there's a judgment call because you just don't want to fall apart for your whole team, right? At the same time, people want to know you're real, that you're struggling, that you're having a hard time. I think particularly in this environment, those leaders who have said, look, we don't have all the answers. We need everybody. We need everyone's point of view. Let's hear it all out. Let's co-create together how we want to get through this. And where I am going to lead us, we are going to get through this and we will all be here. So I, that kind of thing is really powerful now. Okay. Um, I, I just, this is, this is so uh, fascinating to me. Two scenarios come up for me uh, that I want to ask you about, uh, and, and you can choose the order. One is, um, that women, um, a lot of women have a particularly difficult time being vulnerable in the workplace, either because they're afraid that they're gonna get emotional um, uh, or because um, they've been so used to keeping their guard up that being vulnerable does not come 
easily. So that's the, the first scenario. The second difficult situation that, that I can think of is, um, is this whole discussion around race or race-related issues um, in terms of what people are experiencing. So you can choose whichever one first, but I'm dying to know, you know your thoughts on either. Well, I'll start with uh, the women, and I actually just had a call with a mid-level manager yesterday, and you know, I this is this is the thing we want we women women want people to think we're confident, right? And you know, I know this shouldn't come across as rocket science, but people aren't going to think you're confident if you don't come across confident in yourself. <laughs> I know that just seems like so like whoa, and like yeah, and. That is not an aggressive, that is not arrogant. And because we're our unique beings with a unique experience, unique backgrounds, how we say things and what we can and can't get away with is, is varies, it's very unique. And I think that's the thing, I have a, a framework for people to help them get through Say It Skillfully. I'll offer words that work for Molly. People then need to adapt based on who they are. I can get away with stuff that other people can't and vice versa. So I think that's the part where people are, well, I need the recipe book. What do I say this? And then I say this and I say, well, I can give you the frame. And then you've got to really connect with the other people and read the situation. And that's where the capability is just one where we can, it's a lifetime capability, right? This is not anyone's got it wired done, right? Present company completely included. So it really is a capability. And I encourage folks, it'd be great to work with some young people on it because the more that they have found their voice can express the positive intention that they want to have happen, your employee comes to you and says, look at Denise, I really want to partner with you and be even higher value to RevWorth. And so I'm just going to share what my observation is in hopes that we can talk it through because I think, you know, with this slight change, you'll be even more effective. And frankly, we'll be 10 times more effective as a company. I mean, what are you going to say to that? You're not going to say, you're going to be like, bring it on. So it's that kind of thing. So for the women, you know, I, I think that it is about, hey, are you confident in where you are and what you're doing? Which is not to overreach. Say, look, at, I'm, a, I'm a learner. I can do it. I got it. And the vulnerability piece is, hey, you know, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this? Can I find someone? You know, I, I checked a few places. They don't seem to have the resource. Can you help me here? And if you ask that in a way that is enthusiastic and can do and make it happen versus, oh, my God, I'm really sorry. I tried a Google, I couldn't figure it out, right? And you're kind of like this. Well, that's not going to create the same impression. And that I think people have to realize people don't randomly create an impression of you. I learned this the hard way. Like you telegraph things. Now, you may not be conscious of what you're telegraphing, which is an opportunity for growth. Our, our learning moment is our friend Gary Ridge, head of WD40, so eloquently has his entire company really leading into learning moments. We want to make mistakes. You just want to make new ones. And these, this is how we grow. So does that help a little bit on the female side? Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Um, and, and what about on the, on, you know, on these being really vulnerable about what people are experiencing. And I, and I say, um, you know, obviously what our black colleagues are experiencing are very different than what our white colleagues are experiencing, but I think everybody's experiencing something. Uh, so what, what's, what's your advice with both how to show up when you're trying to talk about how you're feeling and how it might be impacting your work or your productivity and, and also to leaders, how to show up when they hear this sort of thing, which is actually not, most of us did not 
grow up in the business world learning how to respond to those issues or, or how to react. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up in the, and I'm not saying it has to be uncomfortable. I think for a lot of people, it is uncomfortable. And I think appreciating that for each other is important. For me, it's the fundamental tenets of, and I just did a video um, that's circulating on this specific topic about how you might go into that conversation. So I encourage folks to check it out. I think as a leader, as, as anyone on a team, it's a fundamental value. Do we value hearing all voices? Do we value hearing all voices? And people, okay, well, let's just, let's just make sure we say it. And I, this notion of, it's a term called deep democracy, hearing all voices, including the unpopular ones, so that the group gets to this accurate shared reality and fulfills its potential. It's not a mushy thing. It is a fundamental business tenet, right? And so hearing all voices is this notion of value. I want to quickly segue and say, this doesn't mean blabbering. It doesn't mean your personal opinion. It means that you're sharing information that's relevant to a situation to, to create a 360 view so that we can get on the same page and with what we know, make the best decisions, you know, move at speed and get to great outcomes. And so that's, a, and I think a lot of, I mean, every leader I know wants that. Have they necessarily verbalized it in a way and said, okay, help me. How am I helping that or hindering that? What can I be doing? What do you want me to do? And so this is a co-creation thing. I think this idea of jumping to task, I hear a lot, well, what are we gonna do? And, and absolutely, we want to, to bridge this social um, justice and, and, and get equality for all. That's where we want to go. And I think for a group to co-create, first, where are we? The current state. And I know no business person would, would try to jump to do something without saying, hey, where are we? And so giving people a chance to use their voices and what are the different experiences, not making them good, bad, right, or wrong, but honoring them. I started one of my um, podcasts per month is on our voices. So I invited some of my black friends to start just to share their story about their life because many people may not have heard those kinds of stories. It's literally just to inform and educate. And when you can figure out where we are in a current state and then say, where would we want to be? And then what's the gap? You can think of it as a consulting construct. So where are some of the real hot buttons? Yeah, there's a lot of things we can do as a whole. Where do we think we need to focus that's gonna move the needle sooner than later? And I think this is everyone's part of the problem and everyone's part of the solution. That's how the soul see it skillfully. I think um, how that took off was born because I said, look at, don't tell me you're gonna blame your boss. You're gonna blame your boss? No way. You're not telling your boss you're part of the problem. You're not a bad person. I'm just saying if, if you see something and you're not saying it, you've gotta own that. And when I think you, when people top to bottom embrace that, Denise, we have mutual accountability. There isn't any finger pointing. We're like, look, wow, how did I, how did Molly contribute to racial injustice? You know, what, and what can I do? And how can I reach out to people and say, look, if I ever come across in a way that I'm not intending, please, 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 please let me know. Because I can't. I, I think from what I hear from um, a lot of my black colleagues right now is they are having emotional feelings, whether it's sadness, anger, fear, that is interfering with their productivity at work. Some of them, at, you know, at, in the wake of, of the George Floyd incident in, in particular, which was, a, you know, for, for a lot of my black colleagues was definitely a series of incidents that they, you know, I think it was Will Smith that said racism has always, you know, is not new. It's it, filming it is. Uh, and so, and so, over time, there have been more and more incidents that have hit the social media, and it's disturbing. And if you are um, uh, uh, a black professional, then you're dealing with that 
in your home, in your relationships, um, counseling your children, uh, all of which is taking a toll emotionally on your life. And, uh, and some of our black colleagues are having difficulty coming, you know, coming to work at all, let alone actually being productive and feeling that they are not entitled to talk about that because it's not, you know, it's not like they have 103 fever. It's not like they have a sick parent or child. It doesn't fall neatly, you know, within that construct. And so um, it's difficult to talk about. But I think, I think what you're saying with regard to say it skillfully is that, you know, if you show up authentically and you're just giving, you know, you're giving the facts and, and, and asking for assistance, I'm having a really hard time. I find myself, you know, overwhelmed, uh, you know, at, at work and, and here's, you know, what's happening in, 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 in some sort of way that you feel comfortable uh, exposing um, that you have the right to look for a um, supportive response from your boss, from your, from your organization. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, we want it, we want everyone to be able to express, I mean, I, we had, you know, one mutual friend said, you know, what? just, he said, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. And he said that to an entire management team. And you That's know, I, the word I hear most right now is exhaustion. Yeah. It's exhaustion. And so for leaders, and I go into the pandemic before the, uh, the social justice layered on top, you know, for a leader to expect that work is going to be exactly the same productivity. I mean, like, I don't know, like newsflash. I don't think so. I mean, people are, takes four hours to buy groceries. You've got kids, you have two dogs, you know, this is, so it is about saying, okay, what, what can we get done? How do we need to support each other? What are the norms that we're going to create? So we get through this, we get through this and we're better. I just want to offer that the companies I'm working with, I'm on a few boards, they're better as a result of this. And so I, I would yeah. offer that, I can, yeah. I can appreciate it. I can't believe this happened. It's so horrible. It is what it is, right? We have this, this choice, respond to the reality as it is or live in some other world. And I really encourage folks to respond to what it is. And it's a real opportunity to be better and to grow. Yep. Um, I'm not trying to be, you know, like unicorns. No, no, I, I, I agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, one last question before we wrap up. Um, now that we're sort of in this, um, I don't know if it's, if it's the new normal, but it's certainly the new normal for the foreseeable future um, of working almost entirely remotely, not being face-to-face -face with any degree of regularity whatsoever, if at all. Um, how does that impact the ability to, to say it skillfully? And what, what do we need to do differently? I think the uh, meta school, the energy or attitude with which you show up, right, of compassion, um, is more important than ever. We just don't know what's going on for other people, right? And we can pretend we don't. And so the ability to ask and look at someone's eye and say, hey, how, how are you doing? How are you doing? And, you know, before I started meeting, lots of times we'll do something called a clearing that I learned. And, you know, people may have had, who knows what happened? The, the dog, you know, peed on the carpet, the dishwasher broke, the this, the that. Give people a chance just to, to get present, say, hey, what's going on? Do you need anything from us? Because we're honoring that our lives have kind of intermingled here. There's a little less separation. So we're trying to be, obviously be professional. At the same time, we're not trying to be unrealistic. So that compassion um, and this, the, the empathy, like what is it like for someone else? And the curiosity to ask questions, in particular, the how can I help? How can I help? And I think for the leaders who get this, their, their people are going to remember how you made them feel, that they felt safe, 
that you were there, that you were going to do everything you could to watch their back and what's that look like, and that we're going to come out of this better together. You know, uh, a, a lot of my work lately has been harnessing technology and behavior change to benefit um, workplace culture and, you know, people, you know, in the bottom line. Where, where do you see technology providing new opportunities in this field? I think that, uh, you know, I am not an AI or machine learning or that kind of expert. I just think this is the fact that Zoom has taken off and people are doing breakouts and very sophisticated things, bringing people together and coming apart. I just think technology is always is a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for not so good. And it seems to me that there's a lot of great uses for it. And I think the, again, the, the empathy that for some it's more natural and for some it's not so natural and helping everyone come up with a learning curve so that it doesn't become a divisive thing, but rather is a unifying tool, I think is everyone's responsibility. And I, I know you have young people. I mean, I have nieces and nephews. And I was like, how did you do that? You know, and they're kind of annoyed, but then like, well, this is how it worked. Right. And so, you know, we've got to kind of, we got to lift the, what's it, the rising tide lifts all ships. Right. right. We, really, right. we need that effect. Right. And I, I'm very excited um, that, that, uh, that you'll be using some rev work te technology to, to scale and sustain, you know, some of these behaviors. It's been, it's been so great to see your work come alive. Um, and, and I, I can't wait to get it in the hands of even, even more people than it already is. So that is super exciting too. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I want to encourage folks to, to really own it. Look, we're all part of the problem. We're all part of the solution. We can be more part of the solution if everyone's just a little bit more skillful. Everyone's just a little bit more. That's a game-changing thing overnight. And to, you know, use me as an excuse, send the videos to your favorite leader who maybe isn't so aware. I said, you know, I love you. And could you check this out? And then let's talk about it anyway that I can be helpful. I'm happy to do it. I deserve, I believe people deserve to be led. I know leaders want to lead, but at times, sometimes they're not necessarily getting the information that they need to be their best. And that's on all of us. That's really on all Agreed. of us. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I wish we could talk about this for another hour. Um, uh, I always find myself gaining something very, very exciting, uh, not to mention something that I can put into practice uh, that the very same day that I speak with you. So I'm glad we were able to share that with our listeners. Uh, with that said, this was the Leading Tomorrow podcast, and I am Denise Hummel. As always, please leave a rating review and be sure to subscribe. Um, we will be... Uh, the next person that we get to speak with, Molly, is Shalou Garg uh, of Microsoft. So be sure to join us then. And uh, I'll very, very much uh, look forward to reconnecting with you, Molly, and, and seeing the, the, the growth of Say It Skillfully throughout all of your current followers and, and the ones that are to come. I appreciate you, Denise. I thank everyone for listening in. I'm here for you. Um, and wishing everyone all the best on their journey to Say It Skillfully.